TalkZone.com. David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago Sun-Times sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Elliot, another day, another show. What's going on? I don't know. It's uh, 33 degrees in Chicago on uh, March 24th. We're waiting for spring to come, which usually is, arrives when? Around mid-June? I think we got a freeze today. Yeah. We do have a freeze, hopefully, <laughs> but but not of the uh, temperature variety. we got a full show today. We're going to have weather person. I don't want to call her weather girl. I want to be politically correct. A soccer expert is how we're approaching it. Soccer tonight. expert. For the Chicago Fire, Amy Freeze, and we're going to have another two NBA Hall or Basketball Hall of Famers since the NBA doesn't have an official Hall of Fame. We're going to have on Frank Ramsey, who was a six-man with the Boston Celtics, and then another guy who is extremely interesting, Jack Twyman. When I heard his story and read it, I'm like, this is amazing what this guy did for what, a teammate of his back in the day. Yeah, that's before your time. I remember it growing up. Uh, Maurice Stokes, a great basketball talent uh, who took ill way before his time, and uh, Jack Twyman took care of him, basically. Because when you think of concussions, you always think of football or sure. boxing hockey. or hockey, you but know, not basketball. Basketball, rare. So his story is a, a very compelling one. Look forward to talking to him about it. It's amazing. Next time I, someone gets their bell rung and I say, get back in there, I'm going to think twice about it after reading what happened with his teammate. With your third grade girls? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, suck it up. Get in there. We won the consolation championship three weeks ago, and the only team we lost to in the first round ended up winning the whole tournament. Okay, so it's like almost being runner-up then. Exactly. That's what I said. We came in second. They said we came in fifth, we came in second, but I ran those girls, and I still got complaints that they all didn't play in the championship game, the consolation. I said, listen, we're playing for a title here. We ended up nine and three, but I felt guilty. They give us one trophy for all the girls. So I'm like, this isn't right. How'd you cut that one up? School got it. Then that night I went home and went to Trophy Depot and bought all uh, 10 girls a trophy and bought my two assistant coaches one and had to buy one for myself. So I said, okay, we all need to deserve trophies. You did your good deed. Exactly. And I said, I'm not coming back next year. And the parents are looking like, what? I said, I'm one and done. (laughs) Go out on top or as close to on top as possible. But let's get to our first guest. Ellie, do you want to do our introduction? I'll do my best. Amy Freeze, world-renowned soccer expert. You also may have seen her doing a little weather in Chicago. <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks for the introduction. Yeah, it's, I'm not much on intros, so I'll, we'll let your record speak for itself. You were the first female sideline reporter for Major League Soccer. Does that sound right? Yeah, about 10 years ago, I was living in Denver, Colorado, and... Uh, they invited us out for a media day for the Rapids, and at that time they were playing at the old Mile High Stadium, and uh, wanted to check out the stadium, and I had never played soccer, never seen the sport, anything like that, showed up and uh, instantly fell in love, and a few months later I was the first female on the sidelines for Major League Soccer. How difficult was it learning the sport? Very difficult, I will say, but uh, I was so... Um, 
you know, it was like an instant love affair. I was so in love with the sport that I was watching it in foreign language and uh, made a lot of friends pretty fast um, and started to learn the sport. And, you know, over the years, I've, of course, you get to know the rules of the game first, and then you start to understand some of the strategies and some of the different techniques that the players use. It's interesting. One of the things that I picked up last season, I always thought as a spectator and even a sideline reporter that it was important to get to the ball, get to the ball as fast as possible. The anticipation of a player was usually his greatest strength, how much he could anticipate where the ball went. But what I discovered last season is all of those things are out the door. The secret to a great soccer player is deceleration. Who can stop accurately where the ball is? That's what makes a great player. I thought one of the things you you might have picked up last season was David Beckham. I saw a photo of you with with Posh Spice's husband there. Oh, that was a real thrill when uh, the LA Galaxy came to town. Uh, some of the guys who've been in the league a long time, um, Kobe Jones and I mean, Landon Donovan, um, I've known for many years. But to meet Beckham, I had the lump in my throat pretty much like everybody else who uh, meets him. It was really cool. And a really class act. You know, he was a, a nice guy, answered all my questions, and um, very friendly. Who's calling the fire this year? Who are their uh, two broadcasters or sportscasters? Um, I know that Chris Dorn, who's been there for a while, has it, but the Fire have not officially released, at least that I've heard, um, their schedule. So, and who's going to be calling all the games? It'll be a mixed bag this year because My 50 will be broadcasting some of the matches and also Comcast Sportsnet. So, between those two broadcast outlets, sometimes they mix and match the talent. I'll tell you a guy that the Fire could pick up, but you can't pick up, is Fred Hubner. He'd do a great job. Fred Hubner is a great, great broadcaster. And, you know, I've worked with him um, on the Fire broadcast team over the years off and on. But great broadcaster in general. Love him. Okay. Now, can you put on your meteorological I can't even say it. <laughs> your weather forecaster hat and tell us what the, the Fire forecast for Saturday is weather-wise. My on meteorological the- spell for this weekend. You know, I wish I could say it was going to be sunny and warm and mild, but it looks like it's going to be one of those. Um, typical season opener type um, events where, you know, folks coming to the first home game of the season are going to need a couple of different layers, and including those good Chicago Fire scarves. At kickoff, we're expecting temperatures in the upper 30s, a little breezy, and I'm hoping that all the precipitation is out. You know, the chances that we're going to get for rain and snow over the next couple of days are very minimal, kind of like what we got, got today, just a little brief uh, nuisance-type mix of rain and snow. So expect temperatures in the upper 30s, a little breezy. I bet the guys will be wearing long sleeves. It'll be it'll be a cool start to the season at home. It's Cubs opening day weather. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can't say this, though. Uh, Eric, the groundskeeper out there in Bridgeview at Toyota Park, has just done a phenomenal job with the pitch. It looks fantastic. It's bright green and uh, always in wonderful condition, but I think that everyone will be in the mood for spring as soon as they get in inside the gate. Now, one of the things that we cannot look forward to is uh, Chad Ochocinco. He is not going to be coming to Chicago with Can- Sporting Kansas City. That's kind of a bummer. I was, hoping, uh, I was hoping we'd get to see him. I follow him on Twitter, and so, of course, I saw all um, of his craziness in the NFL, and then now that he's made this little transition and has been trying out for... Uh, Major League Soccer, I've been watching his tweets, and it sounds like he's uh, really trying, and Kansas City is opening their arms wide, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, but how difficult a transition is that for a guy who hasn't really been playing it 
an elite level to, to think that he can just walk onto the pitch and, you know, play soccer with the pros. You know, I this will be the first time that I've known that it's happened. And the funny thing is, is that we see a lot of guys who have played soccer, uh, maybe all through high school and even college competitive, make the transition to being a kicker in the NFL. So I think that in the past, maybe soccer has prepared some NFL players and the special teams, punters, et cetera. But for <laughs> for an NFL player to um, walk on to an MLS team and um, really be an instant success, that would be quite a story to tell this season, that's for sure. Why don't he just buy the team? He's got enough money and he can make himself the starting center. Uh, that's been done before, I think, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Now, you're a multi-sport person. We've, we've seen you at Wrigley Field. We've seen you at U.S. Cellular Field. We've seen you at Soldier Field. Do you have a favorite sport? Mm, I, you know, I, hands down, I think soccer is probably my number one sport. I just love to watch it. Um, I love all the things that go into soccer and passion uh, behind the game in general. But you're right. I, I like the NFL. I've spent three seasons on the sidelines with uh, the Bears, and it's just no secret at all that Major League Baseball and weather are very tightly wound. Um, we have Wrigley Park here, which gets the lake breeze, winds coming out of the northeast, making it a big-time pitcher's park through much of the summer. And um, really, even over at the cell, everything from the winds to the humidity and temperature um, all play a, game, a part in the game. And the field conditions also, you know, we, we talk about in sports this home field advantage. And not only is understanding the weather a big part of home field advantage, but it also makes a real big difference in the way that fields are kept. And the field groundkeeper over there at U.S. Cellular, Roger Bossard, he's been working for the Docs for 40 years. His father worked for them before that, but he's the one who uh, perfected the drainage system there at U.S. Cellular, and then he's gone on to help the infielders uh, set up over at Wrigley. And so those types of tweaks to a playing surface make all the difference um, when people are coming into play. I mean, not only does it avoid the rainouts, which can cost a team uh, millions of dollars if they have too many rainouts, but um, it also can make a big difference for the players. Being a meteorologist in Chicago is difficult with all the changes in weather. I'll tell you he's got the easiest job is a legendary meteorologist. I was in San Diego two years ago and I turned on the TV and there's John Coleman doing the weather in San Diego. <laughs> what is there to do as a meteorologist in San Diego? Sunny in 72. Exactly. Sunny in yeah. 72. Are you sure he wasn't on tape or something? <laughs> he's, still, to play again? he's still <laughs> kicking and I looked him up because then I'm looking at my wife and I go it's John Coleman and my laptop he started the Weather Channel, and he's right. a multimillionaire now. Oh, yeah, definitely. He also definitely. must be about 100 now, right? Exactly. <laughs> now, when last I looked, people were trying to send you to Alaska. Is that still uh, ongoing? Well, the verdict's in. I was second place in the vote getting, and they took the top five and put them in front of a panel, and the panel chose a guy that got even less votes than me who's already been to the North Pole, if you can believe it or not. Ooh. So, yeah, boo. I didn't uh, get it, but I really appreciated everybody supporting me. And it was kind of a fun distraction as I was um, getting the bad news over at Fox that I was going to be released from my contract. Why don't you call Santa Claus? He controls the North Pole. He'll get you the job. <laughs> Put in a good word for me, would you? I'm sure you're a lot cuter than the person who won. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, uh, hopefully I'll get there someday somehow. 
So as one of the runner-ups, do you end up getting to go to South Dakota or Montana or something? <laughs> Unfortunately, no <laughs> consolation prize in this contest. You could go to Alaska and be with Palin up there. You could see Russia from there. Yeah, I've seen that show a couple times. It was a little <laughs> hardcore for me. Now, once upon a time, you were a cheerleader at Brigham Young University. Does that sound right? That's how I made it through college. Uh, believe it or not, they give scholarships at BYU for the cheerleaders. And uh, so I was a football and basketball cheerleader. I traveled with the team. And it's also where I met my husband. He was the mascot, the cougar mascot. So my husband's the cougar in the relationship. It's him, not me. Um, he, uh, Does he still wear the outfit? Occasionally, occasionally. Uh, just at home. <laughs> yeah. He was the tallest mascot ever. He's six foot five. So wow. when people see him, they think he played football or something at BYU. But he actually um, was the mascot. What do you think about what happened with BYU with that basketball player basically getting ruled ineligible for the tournament because of some relations with his girlfriend? You know, it's um, crazy, but when there are rules, you have to follow them or there are consequences. <laughs> what, an, what an absurd notion in life in general. Um, but, you know, I went to BYU. I know all about the honor code. And um, as I know, Brandon Davies, the young man um, on the basketball team, is very familiar with it. He was raised there in the same town um, that BYU's in, in Provo, Utah. And, um, you know, I think it's a great lesson in life that if there are rules and they're broken, that consequences have to be met. And no matter what effect it might have, that you, you know, you pay what's due. So it's a, sort of an unfortunate situation. Um, but I think that the university showed, you know, some, I don't know what would be the best word to describe it other than some valiancy and, and following through with the consequences. It would have been very easy to scoop it underneath the rug or not follow through on what needed to be done. But despite that, they're still doing well and in, uh, in the Sweet 16. So we're, we're big Jimmer fans at our house. Yeah. You look at him and you say, okay, you'll be watching him in the pros pretty soon, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're we're really excited for him. We we were talking the other night watching him, um, thinking, you know, what team? What team could he go to? You know, and so it's pretty exciting. But how did Jim McMahon make it through BYU? He must he must not have signed off on that honor code. <laughs> well, you know, I saw I saw Jim um, over at High Top about a week or two ago, and um, he spent I think six or seven years um, in Utah. He uh, I don't think he's, I think he went back for the first time in like 25 years recently. And he knows the rules. And I think when he was there, he probably tried the best he could to um, adhere to them. And um, he knows that there are rules. And so if you're there, you got to follow them. Um, whether you agree with them or not, if you choose to go to BYU, those are the rules. He married a Mormon girl who's married to her for about 25 years. And from what I heard, she kept them as much as she could on the straight and narrow. Yeah, she did. She goes to church. She took the kids to church, uh, and he said, uh, my kids ask every Sunday, uh, Dad, why are, you, why are you coming to church? She said, I already served my time. <laughs> so, uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that if you choose the lifestyle and you want to be a part of it, it's hard for some people to believe, especially most kids go to college, they drink, they um, sort of have a free experimental lifestyle of some sort. But um, I turned out okay, and I've never had alcohol in my entire life. I've never had a beer. I've never drank wine, never smoked a cigarette, never had a cup of coffee. Um, but, you know, some, you know, you, you can't have a normal life and not do those things. Um, I, but some, I'm like you. I haven't done any of that stuff. 
I haven't done yeah. any of this stuff. The most trouble I get in is with Elliot. <laughs> but you still have fun. You, you can still have fun, though, without all that stuff, yes? Yes, absolutely. You know, I've had a great life. And um, the whole purpose behind that um, philosophy is not to have anything addictive in your life. And so to try to follow the spirit of, of what the what the rule, if you will, is, is that you want to be in control of yourself and you want to be in control of your own actions and your own agency. And so partaking of chemicals alters that. You could still wear a bikini, though. You got it. <laughs> And rumor has it that somewhere out there on the Internet is a, a photo of you in a bikini from a competition. Does that sound accurate? Is there really? I haven't seen it. It's possible that there's – oh, yeah, I know I know exactly what that is. That's from the uh, Body for Life uh, Fitness Challenge. That's what it is. Okay. Can you explain to our audience what that was or is? Sure, sure. Um, I'm the mother of four children, and after I had my first son, I gained about 65 pounds and needed to lose it, and so my husband said, hey, let's eat right and exercise and enter this contest, and I said, oh, you know, I don't think that's going to work. I had to lift weights and eat six meals a day and all this kind of stuff. Well, we did it for 12 weeks, and I cut my body fat in half and lost about 30 pounds, and um, we ended up winning the contest. It's called the Body for Life Challenge, and not only did they name us winners, but we won $100,000 for getting in shape. Wow. That's pretty impressive, huh? Definitely. So, so do you still have a physical fitness regimen, work out regularly and all that good stuff? Yeah. Since that time, uh, my son, my oldest son is 12, and I always like to mention when I had my second, third, and fourth children enter the family, I only gained about 15 pounds. And people gasp and say, well, how did you do that? But my second, third, and fourth children, they're all adopted. So <laughs> it had nothing to do with my fitness. Um, I have continued to work out. I've done five marathons. I love doing the stair climbs, like hustle up the Hancock, and I'm signed up for the Shamrock Shuffle. So I try to stay active doing those things um, throughout the year. So can uh, folks look forward to see you, seeing you somewhere along the line? Yeah, you know, I'm enjoying a little time off, and I hope to get back in action here on television real soon. Plan on doing some work with Major League Soccer, and um, hopefully it won't be too long before I'm back in action, although I will admit I'm enjoying the vacation. Would you like to go into sports casting because there's some jobs available? Maybe. You know, um, I do love sports, but I've spent so much time uh, with my weather education, it would be hard, I think, to give that up. And it probably pays better being a meteorologist and a sportscaster. Generally, yes. Generally, yes, that's true. Especially with a last name like Freeze, it kind of fits in. Freeze and I know. I guess I could always change my name to something sporty. <laughs> but that is your last name. That's that's not yeah, that's not a stage is my real name. Last name. Yeah. yeah, Freeze is my real last name. So the weather practically chose me. Sort of God's will or something like that. Some sort of destiny or fate, I'm sure. Thank you much, very much, Amy. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I hope to see you again on Channel Two Five or Seven within the next couple months. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. There was Amy Freeze, Chicago Fire sideline reporter, former meteorologist at Channel 32, and for her not being on the air right now is a travesty. You'll get no argument from me. I, I don't understand decisions that people make, but certainly a, a very qualified young woman did a great job. Uh, wish her all the luck in the world.
And we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have on Basketball Hall of Famer Jack Twyman. You're listening to Sports and Torts. I'm David Spada with Elliot Harris, and stay tuned.